yourself been so lonesome chasing that morning chill oh little red bird open your mouth and say been so lonesome i just about flown away so long now i've been out in the rain and snow but winter's come and gone a little bird told me so hello and welcome to the how i healed podcast I am joined today by my co-host, Mary Lou Singleton, who is a family nurse practitioner, herbalist, and apprentice-trained home birth midwife. She has been caring for the health of New Mexican families for over 25 years. Mary Lou believes all healthcare modalities, from allopathic medicine to energy work and everything in between, have healing potential. That healing is always an individual journey to be supported by community, and that when it comes to healing, effectiveness is the measure of the truth. She is a critic of the pharmaceutical industry and the mainstream medical industry, which promotes drug dependence and chronic disease maintenance rather than healing. She believes healing is always possible and co-created the How I Healed podcast to share stories of healing, hope, and recovery. Thanks, Jocelyn. I'm Mary Lou, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Jocelyn McDonald, who is an artist and storyteller. She is enlivened by the infinite potential of humans to heal and helps others walk this path through her art and music. Her healing practice focuses on making and finding meaning out of the crises and major choice points of our lives. She offers one-on-one support through coaching and archetypical astrology and tarot. She specializes in assisting with psychedelic integration and pharmaceutical cessation. Our guest today is my own personal trainer, Dr. Shannon Connolly. Hello, Dr. Shannon. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hello. (laughs) Super excited to be here. Yes. So um, you and I have been working together since April of last year, and I was just so excited to find you because I had been knowing for a while in my healing, my chronic pain and my expressions of rheumatoid arthritis that movement could be beneficial for me. And so as I was looking into, okay, how do I learn to move again after being a competitive dancer for my entire childhood and then really losing my ability to move? And then in the, you know, um, the fear of further injury, I lost all my muscle tone, lost really all my endurance and acquired the messaging from the from the doctors and the rest of the outside world saying that if you hurt you should rest and that you know you're you're essentially going to damage yourself if you try too hard and then i came across your work which was so different because you know so often on like i guess instagram uh workout or tiktok workout culture there's such an emphasis on moving the perfect way so that you don't injure yourself. And here is a woman who's saying, actually move, learn to move your body, learn to incorporate speed and flexibility through movement rather than being so careful with yourself that you're not moving at all. And that was revolutionary for me 
So thank you so much for being you and being a completely different voice in the sort of realm of what's out there. Holy cow. <laughs> thank you so much. No, I'm like always so, it's just so awesome to, you know, have somebody who really, yeah, just resonates with that message and, you know, is really just open to a different way of going about doing things. So, hey, like how, how cool is that? Yeah. Well, and that really brings me to my first question. You know, let's dive into how did you get to this place of offering the the medicine that you offer? You know, what was it that that you went through with your own relationship to your body and with exercise that showed you that there was a, a new way that you wanted to yeah. approach? Yeah, definitely. It's like, where do I even start? I feel like it's been such a <laughs> such a journey. And maybe, yeah, I can kind of start with just my background with movement in general. I will say I came from a pretty competitive, yeah, like high level athlete background, played division one field hockey and in college. And, you know, in that world, it's very, you know, no pain, no, no pain, no gain, right? If you're not physically dying, then you're not doing something good enough, right? Like very much that, that mentality, that messaging. And, you know, I think now looking back on it, it's, you know, it's kind of crazy to see like the different route I have taken and like, wow, it's like, I used to do that and be that person <laughs> all day, every day. And used to, you know, be so hard on myself for not performing a, a, to a certain level, to a certain degree. And, you know, being able to really appreciate that. And I think while I, I learned a lot from that, obviously, but I think I realized at some point, it's just, that wasn't sustainable. That wasn't sustainable for the life that I wanted to lead, the business that I wanted to grow, you know, how I really wanted to help and serve people. It just didn't really match <laughs> at some point. Um, and I think really through my own injuries I've had, you know, with like knee pain, neck pain, um, you know, multiple things going on. I think I just realized, yeah, there there had to be a different way. There had to be another way. Um, just trying to find more of this happy medium of, you know, challenge and a healthy amount of stress, because I do understand physiologically that is needed for strength and balance and flexibility, pliability, just all the, you know, human things that we need to do day to day, month to month, year to year, like you do have to have a certain degree of that. But at the same time, you couldn't just be in this like, uh, you know, box of yeah, like just rest and not moving and not like giving yourself the, the healthy amount of stress that you need. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of what I've been trying to figure out now and kind of you know, applying it more to like, yeah, probably yeah, like your situation where you know, you've been told not to move you've been told not to do these things you know from doctors from like professional people that should have like the knowledge and the education um and so it's yeah maybe it is kind of like maybe this uphill uphill cultural societal battle i think when it when it comes with to, to pain and injuries and stuff like that it's just very much this all or none it's either you don't do anything or you're just like like do do doing <laughs> I guess, yeah, it's like, what is that happy medium? And I think that's really what I've been striving to, to apply, I guess, in my, in my practice and my, you know, coaching business, so mm. to speak. <laughs> well, I know that part of your story, you know, you mentioned that you had been training as a division one athlete and you had been 
kind of in that no pain, no gain mentality. And I've seen you share before about injuring yourself, like you were pushing yourself in running and really kind of like, talk to us a little bit about the relationship that you had with your body and the psychological relationship that you had with your own mind when you were in that state of, if I'm not hurting, I must not be putting in the effort. Mm -hmm. I must be going too too soft on myself. Right, right. No, that's, that's like deep. It's even, it's hard for me to even think back to that point because I think I've been out of it for so long. So, you know, I think, and I'll even say, I think my personality type is very much high achiever, type A, like, I think I've, maybe this happens from childhood, right? I've just been taught, like, you work hard to get what you want in life. And, you know, if you're not hitting that, that expectation, then yeah, like, you're a failure, like, you're not good enough, you're not successful enough kind of thing. Um, And I think, and I think maybe that's why even I gravitated towards, like, a sport, because it, it did give you that element of of challenge and like of success that you knew that not everybody else was reaching. So maybe it was a little egotistical, maybe <laughs> in nature in that. And I think that made me feel valid, right? Like that made me feel like I was special or like cool or whatever. I, I do think that was probably very much <laughs> maybe what led me down that that path to begin with. The relationship I think I had to my body was very much, it, you needed to do something hard in order to be worthy kind of thing. Um, and yeah, like I, I think that's probably what led me to, yeah, eventually burn out, get hurt. I remember having pretty much like a total mental breakdown like in college <laughs> at some point because I was like this just isn't sustainable anymore right it was just getting to the point where it was really affecting my mental health it was really affecting um yeah even just we'll say relationships with friends with uh family members stuff like that so yeah I feel like I'm getting a little emotional here right now but you know I think <laughs> I really well again learned a lot from that and learned maybe the one the biggest pro I think I did learn out of that experience was that I can do hard things like I am very capable of that and I think that's a great skill to have but not at the cost of like again mental health probably being probably being the most important <laughs> most important thing you know to to a human for sure yeah and um I know that you had like a completely different relationship with the way that exercise should make you feel and the and the way it should make you look because yeah you yeah shared that in your pursuit of running and being like um in in these different more popular exercise modalities you were correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I've seen you share this before that you, that you were like very sensitive to the idea that you would be a certain weight. And now you're completely not sensitive to that. You're like, I'm happy to weigh more because it means like my muscles are building. Like you had a a sensitivity to the way that you should look, which it sounds really related to the kind of competitiveness that you were cultivating through sports of like, I'm going to hold myself to a certain standard and I'm not like other people. Like I'm going to be, I'm not going to be weak. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to like, look, I'm not just going to look, I'm not just going to be strong. I'm going to look a certain way, like look athletic, look, um, right. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not even, yeah, I'm trying to think if like, again, this is like, this is something that happened. That's, this was a different, I was a different person. We'll say like 10 years ago. So again, maybe it's like really hard to baby. I know. Right. Like seriously. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I think especially in the female athlete world, you know, yes, they're definitely probably, yeah, especially at that point, probably 10 years ago, that it was probably, you know, better to look slimmer, smaller, not as bulky, not as whatever. I think, you know, that was definitely typical, you know, that's the female athlete beauty standard was to be like tone, you know, not too big, not, but not too small, kind of actually like in the middle, but like toned and, you know, physically appealing or whatever. Um, And I remember actually, I think between high school and my first year of college, like I probably gained like 15 pounds because you're in the gym, you were training. It was just a very different stimulus from what I you know, was in high school. Um, and I remember even to, even today, like, right. Facebook is always fun. Cause you always see like old pictures of yourself pop up and you're like, Oh my gosh, like I look very different back then. But I, but I do remember seeing pictures of myself back then around that time being like, Oh, like, I feel like I look fat. Like I look mm-hmm. not, not the skinny little me that I probably always was. Um, and I think even seeing pictures through the years, like, I think you, you probably can tell like how I was training or things that I I, I was doing a little bit differently. Cause I remember probably after college, when I stopped playing at a higher, higher level, I was like, well, I, I felt like I really bulked, bulked up a lot. And I was like, well, I don't want to lift anymore because I became too bulky. And so that's when I think after college and into graduate school, I became more of like, all right, I'm going to do a ton of cardio, a ton of running, like. And I think I actually posted a picture on my Instagram um, maybe last weekend, like a picture from like 2014, where now even today looking at it, I was like, oh my God, I look sickly. Yeah, Like I look too small. I was little. Yes. Like, (laughs) yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you know, refreshing to, to feel, okay, now I'm 33. Um, I'm, my intention is not to make myself smaller. My intention is fully on what can my body do and how can I explore that? And like how, you know, just pushing those boundaries of like what it can just physically do. And Hey, it, it looks like what it looks like kind of thing. Um, Cause I think your body's supposed to change as you get older, right? We're not supposed to stay the same. I think you are supposed to evolve. Um, yeah. So it, it's definitely like just a much more refreshing place to be where I'm not so concerned about my, Wait, and I, you know, I, I won't lie. Maybe sometimes it, like those thoughts do pop up, but I think I'm just so much more aware of them, and I can kind of like instantaneously be like, "Well, all right, why are you thinking like that right now?" Like, <laughs> maybe I'm not even gonna like let myself let, let myself go there, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of yeah, bring myself back to reality. Hey, like this, you you, you want to be strong for the long game. Like I'm trying to play the infinity game here, right? We, like we've talked about training for your old lady body, so to speak, right? Like my kind of thought process now is, you know, I want to be 65, 70, 80 years old and still have, you know, live in life, traveling, getting up and down off the floor with kids, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I think about more so now, like very much like long game, future game kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious because you mentioned the, the, the timing of your sort of, um, 
when you were most hard on yourself and encouraging yourself to be a D1 athlete, encouraging yourself to like run, you were running like marathons and, and stuff like that, right? And yeah, wherever it was <laughs> that you lived. So I'm just thinking like, oh, was that the same Shannon who was like driven to become a chiropractor and not just become a chiropractor, but you know, you have described your work to mm-hmm. me as back-to-back clients like we have to help everybody they have to come through here churning them through because it's not good enough to help somebody that you know we have to help everybody and it has to be fast and it has to be like immediate results and keep going yeah yeah that no, was you like bring a up connected a good... mentality that's my yes question. Yes, I would say more often than not, I think in healthcare, whether it's Cairo, PT, you know, most of the people I think that get into those professions are very, they're high achieving people, right? It's not an easy feat to like get into, right, to get accepted into a school to then go for another three to five years of intense education, schoolwork, right? Like most of the people I would say I went to school with are very much like, high achievers, definitely, like very much that mentality and how it's even taught in those, you know, circumstances that like, right, you're, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be like this God that like people look up to, right, because they know how much work you probably, you know, needed to do to get to that point. And then to translate that after school, right, oh, you're trying to help, you want to help the world, save the world, right? See as many people as possible. Um, And I think very much, at least, you know, my experience with like being in this, you know, we'll say more traditional chiropractic model, um, you know, is yeah, like how your value is based off of how many people you can see in your daily schedule. Mm-hmm. Not about are you actually really helping people, like not even even talking about like, oh, did this person get better? Like, do they feel better? Do they feel like they can do more things in life? No, just how much, how many people you can see in a day, how much money you could potentially like bill their insurance. <laughs> At least again, those, those were my experiences. Um, and, you know, again, like that also led to burnout for me at some point. I think I probably lasted maybe like two years doing that, like after school and was like, again, I can't do this. Like, this is not, this is not what I signed up for. I mean, I remember even having another like mental breakdown, existential crisis, like, oh gosh, yeah, I guess that's happened a few times in my life. Like, oh my God, did I just make the complete wrong decision here? Like, I was like questioning, did I, should I even have gone to school? Oh my God. Mm. Like, <laughs> tell us, tell us about that. Tell us more yeah. about, about that um, crisis and turning point and what that looked like and felt like and where it led. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I remember like fully having this, I, I won't lie. I was working for an office and I got let go, fired. Like they were like, yeah, this isn't working anymore. And I think I remember just being like, holy crap. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse here, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, yeah. Like, holy moly. Like I, what did I do? Did I make the complete wrong decision? This is not what I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought I was going to be, you know, like, uh, yeah, like really helping people and having a lot of fulfillment in that and, you know, just doing awesome things. And, you know, that was definitely not the case. It was just so much more about the bottom line of, again, numbers and profits. And 
I know I worked in an office where you had like multiple provide, like you had like an acupuncturist, you had a massage therapist, you had this and that and this and that. And it was just kind of like this, um, I don't know, it was like just a wheel, right? It was just like pushing people from, you know, treatment to treatment from modality to modality and calling that healthcare, <laughs> like calling that holistic healthcare. <laughs> I'm curious um, because you got let go, but it sounds like it was a terrible fit for you and you were approaching burnout. So maybe yeah. like, you would have wanted to leave. Like what was the, yeah. what was the yeah. emotional landscape inside of you mm-hmm. to get sort of right. like rejected when you when you were having <laughs> the first place. I know. It's like one of those things of like, I don't know if you've been in a relationship where nobody wants nobody wants to be on the, the receiving end of being broken up with, right? Because that's just like rejection. And like that's probably the worst emotion and feeling to feel. But at the same time, you know, probably at the end of the day, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to you. Like, but you you don't you don't see that at, at that point in time. You see it later on. So I think that was very much, yes, like total rejection, not a great feeling, especially coming from somebody who high achieving, always did things good, always did things the right way, the good girl, whatever, right? To have somebody be like, Yeah, you're not it, like you're not good enough, you're not good enough. <laughs> this yeah that was a total like dagger to my soul (laughs) um but we'll say right like now the future I'm in a much different place and I think yeah it's probably that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me Mm -hmm. at the end of the day definitely yeah Um, I'm wondering if you had a crisis of faith in chiropractic before they fired you or if that was the Thing yeah. That start to think. Wait a minute. Am I even helping people? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was like a defining moment or not. I think after, because I'm trying to think. I went from. I probably worked for. I worked for three offices pretty much before I really got full time on my own. Mm-hmm. And I think each one similar in the sense of like, yeah, it was just a lot of. Um, rigid structure it yeah it didn't really allow for flexibility and creativity and like maybe doing things a different way um so yeah i did i probably at some point thought like yeah am i really helping people is this really what people need at the end of the day like i think i i will say okay maybe feedback i used to get from people was like oh you fixed me oh you really fixed me And I think I remember feeling really like, I mean, that's awesome. Like, that's cool. But at the same time, maybe put me on this pedestal that like, I don't know if I was supposed to be, (laughs) right? Because I'm a human, right? Like, I think doctors are humans too, right? We're not like these all powerful beings and healers. And so I think it's just maybe that, that high expectation of like, oh, you're supposed to fix me and do that as quickly as possible. And if you don't, then you're a failure mm-hmm. and you didn't help them. And like, again, coming from a provider background, so that's like the worst place to be. Because again, like you did all that, you went to school, you did all these things to become a doctor to really heal people. And like, again, if you don't, if that doesn't actually happen, then you're like, oh, crap. (laughs) What am I doing here? (laughs) Am I actually good enough? 
Are you still a believer in the the dogma and the teachings of chiropractic? What's your relationship yeah. with that philosophy now? That's a good question because I think that's definitely <laughs> has changed and evolved a lot. Um, so I will say, and I'll say this, and I think I, it's even funny. I know I've I've gone back and forth a lot. I've been like all in it, oh screw that, all it, you know what I mean. And I think maybe where I'm at currently is. There's a time and a place for it. Absolutely. Like, I don't, I don't want to be up here on even like my, my high horse and be like, ah, that's not what anybody should do or what anybody should need. I definitely think it's valuable for a plethora of reasons. I think kind of where I'm at now currently is, okay, is it, is it the thing that somebody really needs? in that in this moment in time so it's kind of like the right person at the right time with the right strategy kind of thing and i think maybe what i see in my practice currently are people that have done that a lot but there's still something missing mm -hmm. and so i guess right what do they say the the definition of insanity is like doing the same things over and over and over and over again and expecting like a different result and i do find sometimes like that's kind of maybe the the cycle that they're stuck in is that they're they're doing all these things they're doing all these modalities they're adding 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 instead of maybe looking at what they're currently doing in their day-to-day -day life and maybe something in there just needs to be tweaked or changed you know in order to lead them to a different place so i think that's kind of where i'm at now with it i definitely think it's valuable it has a time and a place it can be very very helpful to jumpstart the process but I think, again, what gets you to the next level isn't necessarily the same stuff or the same ingredients, the same, you know, things that you're doing day to day. Adjusting subluxations. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm like, um, I'm hearing, um, I, you haven't said this, so forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I'm hearing this difference between someone adjusting you and you actually taking the healing into your own hands and being your, right. your own doctor. Because when I, ha I had, um, two different times in my journey with arthritis, I got really into chiropractic. So I was, um, when I first got diagnosed and then again, like five years later, after I had to change all my medications, cause I had stopped responding to them. Both of those times I started going to chiropractic once a week, every week for a year and it always felt so good to get adjusted. And then it always, I needed to get adjusted the next week again, mm -hmm. all over mm -hmm. again. Right. And like when you were talking about like your client coming to you and saying, you healed me and your discomfort with that. Like, I'm just a human when I can say what you've offered me through being my um, physical trainer, my personal like one-on-one -on -one coach is you don't do the exercises for me. I'm the one who has to fucking swing a kettlebell. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And in these months, I have gone from, in many ways, having like very little self-confidence in what I'm capable of in terms of how much I can lift and also my, um, you know, on a more metaphorical level, like what I can do in life to being like, yeah, I can do hard things. This is not a big deal. Not only that, but like not to be competitive, but like I could crush any other chick my age. <laughs> like, yeah. I love it. Oh, 
I'm just hearing this implied yeah. like you yeah are, you were asking people to take responsibility for your own healing is that putting words in your mouth or how would you respond to that yeah no I think you're you're pretty spot on with that I think um yeah like there comes a point again where you just you have to expose yourself to more I just don't think growth I think sometimes we think growth is like oh it should be this easy linear journey and it's just like oh yeah it just slowly gradually nice and easy gets better over time but like is growth supposed to be easy <laughs> like we'll say physically and mentally like it's maybe supposed to be a little uncomfortable and i think again if i can and i will say i work with maybe a few of quite a few people that like they just they come from maybe the opposite background of me. Like I came from like, again, this really high level, no pain, no gain background. And like, if there's a person that maybe hasn't been exposed to that, um, you know, yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, again, there could be some fear, anxiety, like a lot of just anticipation of like, you know, yeah, is this the right thing for my body? Can I really handle this stress, um, so to speak? But again, it's also, maybe again, this kind of coming back to like the mindset piece here a little bit, it's like, well, if you have these goals that you want to accomplish, you know, whatever they are physically, you know, it's like, again, to get you to that place to get you, you have to expose yourself to maybe doing things a little bit hard and uncomfortable and things you've never done before and allowing yourself to get messy with it. Um, you know, and I think maybe the one way I kind of uh, present movement and exercise is that there is no one size fits all with it. it there is no correct way to do it i think you get better at it by messing up like through mm -hmm. actually failure you get better technically but like people are even afraid to start because they're they're afraid that oh i'm gonna do this wrong and i'm gonna hurt myself and yeah like i even say that's absolutely a possibility you know there's a lot of uncertainty with this but i think what you're gonna learn in the process is actually how to get better at it, like how to move through it a little bit, you know, with grace, I guess. So yeah, I think there's this kind of maybe balance of self-compassion and empathy with like where you're at and having a lot of appreciation for that. But at the same time, you can still want to grow and improve and change and do hard things. Like why can't both yeah. exist? <laughs> I'm just hearing a little bit of an invitation to danger and risk. Like I... I'm hearing like, yeah. a, you know, where a lot of um, influencers will be like, if you have an injury, you need to do the following exercises to heal it and make sure that you recruit this or that muscle and follow these cues or you'll create devastation in your pelvic floor. And I'm just hearing this very different standpoint, which is like, if you want to become more aware of your body, if you want to become better attuned to the way that your body works, then you're going to have to risk getting hurt and you're going to have mm -hmm. to risk it feeling weird or feeling yes. wrong or feeling different. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. And I think sometimes we see that stress, right. As like a bad thing, right. I think especially maybe in the holistic world, it's like, Oh, I need to, I need to decompress. I need to like calm my nervous system down. I need to like, uh, all this like down regulating type of stuff. And again, yes. Like, Absolutely, that makes sense. But what if looking at stress as a way of maybe my body is actually doing the right thing by getting me prepared to be able to handle said stress, 
So maybe actually a little bit of that fear, that anticipation is physiologically a good thing because it's actually getting you prepared for what's to come. So I think it's like kind of looking at stress in a whole different light. It it doesn't have to be this like really negative, bad, like, you know, I don't know, evil devil (laughs) kind of thing. Like maybe it actually is part of physiologically as a human, how you get ready for movement for action for stimulation (laughs) and for being called to do hard things right that our lives will present us with and i want to talk more about that finding that sweet spot between the overachieving striver who needs recognition for what a hard worker we are and how how superhuman we can be with with the amount of stress we're willing to accept contrasted with what I'm seeing a lot now, especially in the young people in my practice, the, um, oh, stress is never good. I can't handle any stress, this fragility, this absolute fragility Mm -hmm. happening. How do you help people find that sweet spot? And what has been your experience coming from the one extreme and moving into balance? And how can that be helpful for people coming from the other extreme and moving into balance? Yeah, (laughs) right. It's like, that's, so spot on. Um, yeah, I think most people were like, yeah, on either end of the extreme, either like over, I will say overdoing it or underdoing it. Right. And like, yeah, what is that happy medium? Like, what does that middle ground look like? Um, so I think where I typically start is, you know, probably a little bit of the mindset piece, like really just getting understand, getting to understand their experience with it, where they've come from, the past experiences that they've had, because that's usually it has led to the beliefs that they have, right? Like that always just comes from past experiences, probably lead to present beliefs, thoughts, feelings, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I think just getting more of a grasp on that so that I can determine, yeah, are they overdoing it or are they underdoing it? Because then that's gonna lead me kind of in the, we'll say more of my evaluation, like where do we need to maybe find that middle ground a little bit. So I guess like a, one of the main ways I guess I go about doing that is like through, yeah, kind of like this movement evaluation. And, you know, I'm not necessarily just like, okay, let's look at your range of motion of your arm. Okay. Let's see how like, well, your hip internally rotates or, oh yeah, your, uh, oh yeah, your glute medius feels really tight. You know, like th- those are all just really, I don't know, just superficial labels that, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like I don't want to say it's made up, but it's just like, right. We're we're putting labels onto people that don't really matter in the context of like, what is actually valuable, I think to a person, you know what I mean? Um, At least that's kind of typically what I see. Like most people come to me and say, oh, my PT told me that my left obturator internus is like overworking or my um yeah my traps are super tight and overactive um oh i have a really weak core uh you know i can't access my (laughs) they love reductionism right now that's our our national um, yeah yeah uh, philosophy is like breaking ourselves into tiny tiny pieces yeah yeah hundred percent. And I think as a humans, you know, I think that what's make humans human is like, we would like to categorize things. We like to put things into neat, perfect boxes. And I think that's just how we make sense of the world and like, right. The environment that we're in. But I think when it comes to like your own body, like, yeah, that's not necessarily maybe the best way to go about <laughs> making sense of it. Um, right. Because if you don't fit into that box, I think that for a lot of people turns into, well, I'm different. 
I'm not normal. I'm dysfunctional. I'm damaged. I'm broken. I'm all those really, you know, kind of negative self-beliefs about your your own body and like your own experience with it. And I think that could be really that could put people in a really hopeless defeating place. You know what I mean? So think about the gap of that, right? If you're mentally down here and like, yeah, my body is broken and damaged and I it's not adaptable. It's not able to grow. It's not able to overcome. But like they have these goals of right, well, I want to be strong. I want to have energy. I want to be able to do these things. But like the gap is like this huge <laughs> you know what i mean um so i think that's where i've kind of you know maybe spent a little bit more time actually on like the mindset piece of it maybe first to kind of really get a sense of where they're at before i just start like doing exercises and <laughs> you know things like that it's kind of like i always tell people like you know me just giving you an exercise or a tool without really understanding the human you are and like the intricacies of that is like throwing right spaghetti at the wall and just like hoping something sticks like that's not a really i think smart strategy <laughs> i guess at the end of the day um so yeah i don't know if that answers your question or not but it, <laughs> it leads me to a, yeah. like a follow-up question that is basically like you know i'm really just thinking that the missing piece from this story is how you went from injury and burnout mm -hmm. and yeah. um, high standards to being the person who was open enough to like, how did you change your mindset? Because what you're describing yeah. is the process of meeting yourself, then the way you now are meeting clients, you mm -hmm. must have had a complete shift in your beliefs in order to. Yeah make such a dramatic change 100 percent. yeah no i would definitely say i'm not yeah not the same person at all from where where i was at even when i graduated chiropractic school like seven years ago um and i think i will say i think COVID actually had a lot to do with it i always think actually now if COVID never happened i don't know if i would be where i'm at so again a really kind of terrible thing but like again led me to the place that i'm at um so as i started my practice actually in my physical practice in new york city you know wall street area right it's funny how i went from like doing what i was doing at offices and turned into like starting my practice in the same way kind of funny but <laughs> you know i had to call myself out on that real quick but i was like oh i'm just doing the exact same thing that i just learned that i didn't want to do anymore but anyway COVID happened, um, you know, New York City, right, just went poof overnight, you know, pretty much went from seeing, you know, a good solid amount of clients per day to like zero. And I was like, yeah, I really had to pivot. I was like, what the hell am I going to do? So I think that's when I started doing the virtual stuff and like, right, I can't touch people virtually. So, hey, you had to move. <laughs> I had them do different, you know, drills, exercises, movements, breathing, whatever. I think that was kind of like where I kind of started maybe more of this active you know, uh, journey. And I realized that really helped. Like, and I was like, wow, I could still help people without putting my hands on them. That's awesome. Wow. Like that just opened a, <laughs> a like new door opportunity for me. Um, and I think coming from also like a, a exercise fitness background, I knew that was something I actually, st I still worked out, still really genuinely enjoyed. And I was like, maybe there's a way I could really like blend these two worlds together. Um, and I think I, 
also will say kind of, I have mentors that I've learned a lot from, and I kind of recognize that like they were doing this and I was like, oh, maybe I could learn that too. So I think that's kind of what led me to just learn more about, you know, the real interest intricacies of like strength and conditioning and fitness, but like how to really apply it in a rehab setting, you know, um, and, and really just how to kind of like dose it in the right way for people, which again, is a really nuanced skill. Like again, something I did not learn in school. Like that was not something that was, you know, if we didn't have a class on like <laughs> exercise prescription for the rehab general population. Like that was not a chiropractic school class. Um, but I think just learning from mentors, learning from people who are really successful with it, learning from coaches that just got good results with people. Like in my mind, I was like, well, those are probably the best people to learn from. Maybe not this like continuing official education course that's just meant for like to retain your license. And I think honestly, just a money grab at the end of the day, but kind of going outside that box and just really looking for like people who, people who were doing it already, you know what I mean? So um, I think just like leaning into that, talking to them, hearing how they spoke, hearing how they explain things, hearing just like the mindset that they had, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. I don't know. It's just like, I don't know if you've ever been in the, one of those situations where you just kind of like, you're just like, oh, like, well, how did I not think like this before? <laughs> like, how did I not think like this before? Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of led me to like where what I'm doing currently, which is right, not your traditional chiropractic stuff. Like it is, you know, it, it's it's strength and conditioning. Honestly, it's strength and conditioning with like a rehab pain emphasis, right? Like those strength, conditioning, fitness, exercise are like some of the best tools for pain. But I, again, I think what is kind of missing is that a lot of providers, just because of the restraints that they do have or the business or like the practices that they are in, it just doesn't allow for that creativity and that nuance to happen. And so, hey, like that's why I have my own business because now I can kind of do what I want <laughs> and I'm not limited by time or, you know, I mean, obviously money is always a thing, but like, hey, I have, I've, I feel like I've built something to allow me that, that freedom a little bit more and to do things in a different way that, you know, I couldn't do in an office like that. Are you still in New York? Where are you now? So I'm physically located in New Jersey. Um, and actually, I actually, we bought this house that, I'm, that we're currently in a few years back. And uh, luckily, we have like a detached garage space that actually had like a somebody had their office, you know, back there, and we just converted it to like a gym. So I do see some people locally and, you know, they just come to my house. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Like, yeah, come to my back garage space. <laughs> you know, I just have like, you know, mats, kettlebells, bands, balls, you know, a few really simple pieces of equipment. Um, but I think it just provides that environment environment for them to to explore, to like do things differently, right? Yeah, this is definitely not your traditional like doctor, you know, sterile, like <laughs> limiting, uh, you know, office by any means. Um, yeah, so I think, I think that's the best way to learn movement is to like, again, allow that space and environment to happen, allow them to get messy with it, allow them to learn what feels good for them and what doesn't. And I think that's really what the sweet spot is. It's like, you know, kind of maybe coaching them along the way to be like, all right, let's, let's try this out. I know it might be like, maybe looks a little scary at first, but like, let's give it a try. And then we'll, and then we'll determine if it's the right thing for you or not. Um, 
kind of thing. So yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at now. Do you still do any like actual chiropractic adjustments on people? No. <laughs> Um, maybe like, I'll say sometimes my friends and family, like, <laughs> will maybe ask me, um, and maybe I will say, maybe I can count on the times on one hand. If I do see people in person, like maybe there is a day where they are feeling really run down. Like I'm not feeling great. Okay. Let's do a little bit of movement and then, okay, I'll do some table work. Um, but like, that's very rare now. Um, I, th I think just because maybe the, 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 type of person I am catering to like has done that already and I think again for their their goals the things that they want to accomplish the we'll say the why like like what why like <laughs> what are we doing why we're doing and I'm just trying to make sure that you know trying to give them we'll say the most bang for their buck right like what's going to be the most efficient strategy to get you to the place that you want to be and I think very often that requires some type of training, like some type of movement, right? To get their body like, you know, stronger, physically stronger, more stable, more coordinated, more pliable, right? Um, so I just think, you know, if they've already have done that for a period of time, then like, I don't really need to do that. I think they're coming to me for like a different reason, if that makes sense. What are your thoughts on marathons now? Ooh, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, I think right with, and this is maybe, I don't know, like for me personally, I will say maybe not, not a goal that I have anymore. Um, maybe it kind of has been like, well, I've, I've been there, done that, right? I kind of checked that checkbox maybe for me already. Um, and I think now just like as, my goals kind of shift and change. I think there's just other things that I want to experiment with and get good at and, um, you know, just be really open to all the different things and not necessarily just kind of like caught in, in one thing. Um, and I think this is typically something I actually will say I see maybe with some of the people I work with is that, you know, maybe they did, they do have that one thing that they really enjoy, right? Maybe it's, yoga or pilates or running right it's like they found this one thing that they really 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 like and like that's amazing that's awesome like thumbs up yes that's a part of it for sure but i think right that's also really limiting though because i think if you become so right you're just putting yourself in one box and you're kind of missing out maybe on all the other possibilities tools strategies you could also incorporate that would also support the goal that you have if that makes sense. Um, and I think I see this a lot specific and not to call anybody out who does yoga or Pilates again, like great, awesome tools, like absolutely. But again, like there may be, depending on the goal that they have or the problem that they have there, we might have to grab from other modalities, other methods to get you to the place that you want to go kind of thing. Um, so again, maybe I know with Jocelyn, I think, weights were kind of like a new thing it was like oh i never really used this <laughs> no that's accurate before that, yeah. is that accurate okay yeah <laughs> yeah so like again i had like all just... the resistance bands i had all the idiotic equipment that people on instagram tell you to buy like like booty bands right. and stuff like that right. and i'm like 
Uh, can't you can't you train me with like all these nonsense garbage pieces of equipment I already have? Like you want me to buy a kettlebell? Well, <laughs> you want me to buy a thirty-five pound kettlebell? Like a mon- only a monster could lift that. Like yeah. I, I'm having trouble with ten. Exactly. Yeah. But I think, you know, right, maybe my skill as a coach is to like present that in a way that somebody feels really comfortable with, right? It's not like, oh yeah, we're gonna use the 35 pound kettlebell and we're do like freaking strict presses with it. No, we're gonna do other things that I know you could probably most likely handle for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like, and I don't wanna say I did not coin this term, but it's like not being a slave to the methods. So it's not putting yourself into one like box of like, this is what I do, right? And this is my identity because I do this and I like it and I enjoy it. It's like, maybe, maybe you could find like something with kettlebells that you really enjoy that you just didn't really, you didn't think of that as a possibility because you've never maybe been exposed to it in a way that just like matches where you're at kind of thing. So I think that's, yeah, I use a lot of kettlebells. It's maybe one of my go-to tools just because I think it's really um, like simple for people to grasp once they get the kind of like, you know, maybe technique of it. But I think it kind of empowers people to feel like, oh, I can, I can pick up a 30 pound weight, 35 pound weight. Like that's freaking awesome. (laughs) Like when I thought I couldn't do that, but I could. (laughs) So maybe it's like disproving, it's disproving their own beliefs sometimes with through, through physical movement. And I think that's kind of usually the experience or the you know, maybe reaction that I do get. It's like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Oh, that looked really scary at first, but like, oh, I did it. And like, what, like, how empowering is that for like somebody's confidence, somebody's like inner self-belief about their body and themselves to realize that they can do hard things, even though they probably thought that they couldn't. Like, like what an awesome, like, I don't know, just place to be um for me as a coach to witness that but then for them equally to really like knock down that barrier within themselves and i think like to me that's optimal health like i i can't think of anything else that would like be such a, a a better representation of like optimal true health i'm just reminded of a post that you shared when you know because i see this all the time with the type of women especially women who are training in yoga and pilates only and like and lightweights and the almost fear of injury from larger weights or fear of becoming too bulky from larger weights mm-hmm. is you know what what you had said was like okay so you're going to train with a 10 pound weight and you're going to do like 80 reps or something in order to feel any type of burn Meanwhile, your toddler weighs 40 pounds and is running toward the street. Like, what are you, like, what kind of, what are you training for? Strength is not just so that you can fit into your Lycra suit. It's not just so that you can, you know, avoid the censure or judgment of people who would call you fat. It's so that you can show up to life with courage and capacity because like, your 40 pound mm-hmm. toddler needs you to, to be yeah. able to run after her. hundred percent. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny how like, right. Heavyweights gets this, I don't, oh, don't want to lift heavy, heavy's mm-hmm. bad. Um, but I think heavy is really relative too. like what's heavy to one person isn't heavy to another. So it's interesting again, like how we've just categorized heavy is heavy and 
you know, so yeah, like there, there is a lot of, I think, nuance and like context to that. Um, and I think it's easy to like judge numbers too, when it comes to weights and how like a lot of people will see a 25, like, oh, that's how, or even sometimes like when I'm working with people physically, I'm like, yeah, we're going to use this weight and before they've even like touched it. They're like, how, what number is that? How heavy is that? And I'm just like, just pick it up. Let's find out. <laughs> like, let's see how it goes. And then they pick it up and they're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. How much is that? I was like, that was 25 pounds or 30 pounds or 30, even 35 pounds. And they're like, oh, what? Oh my God. Right. I've only used my five pound little dumbbells forever. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think heavy. Yeah. It's like, why is heavy bad? Like, again, like what, it goes back to just like how you visualize stress and like things that are hard. Like why is hard bad? Like, why is hard such a bad thing? Like, you know what I mean? Um, so again, it's kind of like, us sick. we have to only, we have to pursue parasympathetic nervous system at all times because we yeah. can't, if we are, you know, if we're, uh, we we get enough cortisol from staring at a blue screen that mm -hmm. naturally no, occurring true. a cortisol that comes from feeling stressed out by our lives would send us into you know, <laughs> total overdrive and burnout. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, there's obviously ways that we're really overdoing it with like all mm -hmm. the other things that are, you know, happening in life. Um, but again, it's like 99% of the time life is unpredictable it's messy. It's less than optimal right now. You have, I mean, I feel like in this day and age, right. You, you, you need a job and a side job, right? Like it's not good enough to have like, just because everything is so expensive. Now, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, we're here with four, here side, jobs. four uh. side jobs, right? <laughs> like you need a job, like you're right. Especially I work with a lot of moms, you know, people who have kids, you know, so they're mom, they have kids, they're running the household and they have a full-time job and they're trying to do all the things with their kids and they're trying, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we just have a, we have a lot going on in life in general. Right. And I think when you're constantly trying to only operate within like perfect scenario, perfect case scenario stuff, I think you're not, you're essentially not preparing yourself to handle like the moments where it does get really crazy and messy. And I think that's typically what I see a lot of times, like when people, you know, will say don't exercise and don't have that frequency is usually when like life got a little crazy, life got a little chaotic, but again, they kind of thought about exercises only happening in these like perfect conditions, right? I think that's usually something people say a lot. Oh, I don't have time for this, right? Like I'm really busy right now. Life is crazy. Holidays are coming. I got vacate. Yeah. Like those things are always going to be a part of life, right? I think it's just maybe the hard truth. Like we're always going to have really busy, chaotic moments in life. And so part of, I think, training is teaching you the skill of like, well, how can I still do this and operate within a really chaotic time? And that's why I will say I hate for, and this is the time of year where you start to see all these like, oh, do the six week challenge, 2024, start the year off right, rah, rah, rah. And it's like, okay, you do that for six weeks and then what? You stop, right? And that's what just puts people on this like vicious cycle of like, oh, I was doing really well, but then life got crazy. And then I tried to do it again, but then I got hurt because I haven't done anything in a while. And then I rested and then I'm going to try again. Oh, but then I got hurt again. I got to go to the PT or the Cairo. And then it's like, this just off and on again cycle. And it's like, you haven't even 
like, you know, there, there's, there's nothing to show, like you haven't gotten stronger, you haven't gotten fitter, like, and I think that's what really makes people super, yeah, again, a really discouraging place to be a hundred percent. Like I, of course, I'd probably feel the exact same way. Um, but I think that's kind of the deeper level skill. Maybe I'm trying to help people navigate is like, what can we still do regardless, even if it's freaking insane? Like, yeah, it doesn't, the plan doesn't have to look the same all the time. It can pivot, it can change. It needs to be flexible. But again, I think fitness is often put in this box of like, I have to work out like five days a week or else I'm not doing it great. <laughs> right. Kind it of thing. It becomes another opportunity I, to judge ourselves. Yeah. Right. Come I love it that you've, um, <laughs> taking a new spin on, on this, the common critique I hear um, in healthcare about chiropractic is, well, people have to keep going back. Like it's, you know, obviously isn't working because they have to keep going back. And here you're working in a way where people understand, yes, you have to do the maintenance work. You have to keep coming back to what you're doing for yourself, but it's on them. The agency's on them, not, I have to go visit this particular person with Mm -hmm. the magic potion or the magic trick. Right. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. And I always just think too, okay, like my time today, I value my time immensely, right? We, time is the one thing you cannot get back in life. Right. And so it's like, how are we going to best use our time to serve us? And I just think like, yeah, that's like, that's definitely the typical Cairo thing is like, you have to come back. You come three times a week for six weeks and then you come twice a week and then you come once a week. I'm just like, Uh, you know, all right. Is that really the best use of somebody's time? Especially when they're a mom, they got kids, they got so many else, so many other things going on, like to like to to drive there, to wait in the waiting room, to then spend, I don't know, five, 10 minutes with somebody. And then to like, I don't know, I feel, I just feel like an hour, like that's maybe an hour plus of somebody's time. You probably could have spent maybe really doing something more productive that aligns with like your longer term goals and, you know, values and priorities, I guess, for example, you know, (laughs) so yeah, definitely. I really feel that in my own fitness journey, because I had chronic pain all the time and was afraid of moving and was afraid that, and was also afraid of not moving because in a sense, it's like, okay, I'm a, you know, at this, at the time that we um, started working together, I'm a 36 year old woman who has like essentially I look disabled. I I don't, I, I can't do what other people my age can do. So there's the fear of injury in working out and there's the fear of living a small life. And when the, when I would do stuff like chiropractic or even acupuncture, which I think has immense value, there's an immediate, um, there's an immediate like difference in how you feel. And so you think like, okay, this is working because the effects are immediate And with training, the effects are drawn out because you don't recognize the difference in how fast you are or how, how you can maintain a higher heart rate rate for a longer time until you're doing it for a long time. Absolutely. On the other side of that, I recognize that something I, I, I have learned consistently is that whenever I have an injury that is whether we want to say like oh you have a chronic illness you have autoimmune disease or whether you want to say like bitch you're 36 like it you sometimes you wake up and your neck hurts because you slept violently (laughs) you know like when I exercise it doesn't feel better immediately but it feels better consistently 
by the next day. And so we can kind of really reframe the idea of immediate results from getting your back cracked by someone else or waiting, waiting for that, you know, um, for the movement to like loosen up your fascia, loosen up your joints, like knit your muscles together, get your kind of your, your whole body integrated with itself because the relief is coming the the strength is coming on the scale of geologic time so to speak it's drawn out but the but the attunement of body mind spirit is coming pretty much within the day or the next day it's like the uh yeah yeah, the strength training is is integrating these parts of ourselves and sensitizing us to our own body again which is a different type of overnight results than, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's very much like a delayed gratification, right? Like, yeah, I think very much with the, the adjustment and like, we'll say even acupuncture massage, like thing, right. It's somebody putting their hands on you and like, there's immediate like boom, boom, right. Very instantaneous, very like that's dopamine. Like that's a dopamine hit. Like that's a, that feels amazing. Um, but again, I guess if you're talking about, well, how could I potentially get myself a little bit more prepared? I feel like that's where you kind of have to figure out more of this like delayed, maybe a reaction to get your body to, you know, I don't want to say heal on its own, so to speak, but like, it's just maybe there, there's a little bit more of a longer term um, benefit to that versus right. Like, Oh, I'm just looking for the next like quick boom, boom, boom thing. And again, I think in this world that we live in now, right. Everything is so fast. Everything is so in right. You can Amazon door dash, <laughs> like everything just happens so fast. And I think, right. Sometimes maybe we think about our body needing to also respond in the same way, but like, yeah, our body isn't Amazon. <laughs> It's not like, yeah, 24 hour delivery, boom. Sometimes it's tough. Yeah, I think maybe that's kind of the hard truth of like a human living in 2023 is like, yeah, like our bodies don't operate at the same speed as like the rest of the world around us. And like how much of a contrast that is and how consciously like frustrating that can be. Um, and I'll, okay, maybe this is a, a good comparison, but now when, you know, sometimes when I'm working with people who have been, you know, struggling with pain or ongoing pain, I think there's always this expectation of like a timeline, like, oh, if I'm not better in X amount of time, then something more is wrong here kind of thing. That's kind of maybe like usually what I hear. And so, you know, I think that's always like, again, like, why are we putting such a high expectation on ourselves to have to get better as quickly as possible? Because again, like our bodies don't necessarily always operate like that. (laughs) So it's like, why don't we build in time? Why don't we actually allow ourselves and appreciate maybe this is going to take more time than we expect it to. And that's okay. And kind of like really taking the pressure off of that. And that's why I would say I work with people for a minimum, minimum of 20 weeks. 20 weeks at least I feel like I'm even kind of maybe even pushing that a little bit longer because again if we're just trying to make all these you know quick fixes within a certain amount of time it's like well how sustainable are those fixes really like is it really just kind of putting a band-aid on the situation like a you know a band-aid on a leaky pipe and calling it oh we fixed ourselves 
like maybe we have to spend a little bit more time figuring out, okay, where did the sleep come from? What do we need? What are the tools that we need? Okay, now let's get a game plan together. How are we gonna do this like the most efficient way? Um, so that we're, we're more built to last, we're not built to break kind of thing. So um, yeah, no, no, that's kind of popped in my, my, my mind too, just like this timeline, this expectation, like, yeah, like why, why are we so, why do we always just want things so fast? Like, is fast better? Question mark. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I mean, it's a timeless question, right? That's Keynesian yeah. economics, maximize short-term gains. <laughs> but, um, yeah, right. I, I want to go back to something you said earlier um, of the little weights versus the big weights and women not wanting to get big. Um, mm, yeah. How do you address that issue both within yourself and with the people you work with, especially the women on the difference between um, doing the work because you want to look another way to others versus doing the work because you want to feel better yourself? Self, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good like differentiation, I guess, to make. Um, you know, and I will say, and this is something maybe I've even gone back and forth with, and maybe I am trying to find this happy medium of like, I think on one side, you know, if it's all about looking a certain way, being a certain weight, um, because that is what you feel like you need to feel worthy in life or society. I think that's obviously one side of the spectrum, but I think you can still want to change the way you look, but have it for right, just like general health reasons. Like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad goal to have. So I guess I don't want to necessarily hash or like, you know, bad uh, maths, like wanting to look a certain way. I think we'll say the deeper level reasoning behind it is always maybe what I'm trying to get towards. Um, so I think maybe that's the questions I'm trying to ask. Like, is this, is this like a self-worthiness type of aesthetic goal, right? Because I feel like I'm a better person if I'm X pounds or like, I think sometimes often too, as you know, I work with aging women, it's like, oh, I want to look like I'm 25 again. And it's like, well, you're 45, you're 50. <laughs> like, are we supposed to look 25 at 50? I don't think so, you know? Um, but I think if they look at it from like, well, I know this is just going to help me have more energy or like have more mental clarity or be able to do the things that I want to do in life for, you know, more of that longevity, maybe side of things. Like that's a very different, I guess, like context to it. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe that's kind of where maybe I'm trying to question them <laughs> in the beginning of like, which maybe which side is it more? Um, and then, you know, I think always coming back to, right, like timeline, okay, like obviously those physical changes don't happen within a short time frame. Like that's definitely something that absolutely takes time and maybe even appreciating the fact that it probably takes way more time and maybe even like, I don't want to say dedication, but like, again, if you're trying to look a different way, that requires, again, like a complete personal lifestyle transformation overhaul, right? Like, again, the things that you're currently doing day to day aren't going to have, they cannot look the same if you really want to like physically look a different way. It's like you're, you become a completely different person. And so, um, you know, I guess it's like kind of maybe figuring out like, is that something that they actually really 
want to do? Like, do they really want this like deep, personal, physical, mental transformation? Or are they just looking for like more of a simplistic way of like, well, how can I just like dose this into my life? Because my life is crazy, <laughs> like I'm busy and like, you know, just trying to figure out what, like what really matters to them maybe at the end of the day. Like it's, it, it, yeah, it really maybe is getting to that deeper why. Like, why do you want that? Why does that actually matter? Does it really matter? Kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if that answers that question. <laughs> So I am really curious to bring it back to, well, first of all, I want to, I want to validate what you just said. Cause I feel like we just talked about this a couple weeks ago. Cause I was like, um, as I, as we've been training together, I've been getting like a lot stronger and a lot bigger and I weigh like 155 pounds now. And for some reason, I, because I used to weigh 130 pounds, I, I decided that that 25 pounds was wrong and immoral even though that 25 pounds represents the difference between me being like um really incapable of you know when we start working together I used to say like my biggest goal is to be able to put my shoes on and tie my own shoes and that was like our our first milestone was like can you help me get to a place of putting on my own shoes and tying them by myself and now I'm like a full-time woodworker building furniture that's heavier than I am lifting furniture that's so heavy it, it's like scary it's definitely scarier than a kettlebell and so like can the can the extra weight be can I even as a feminist and as a woman who knows better can I release this external societal conditioning belief that says for some reason 25 pounds more than 130 pounds is the difference between being being a worthwhile woman and being um wrong or bad or lazy or fat or just too much just too much so yeah. i i love that um yeah i love the attention to like capability rather than how you how you are perceived by others um, right Absolutely. But I just want to return, like, I feel like we're, we're wrapping up this interview and I feel like we're getting to like a good sense of your story, but I have a lingering question about your own response to stress and your having developed this capacity to be with and tolerate higher degrees of chaos. You talked about that a lot and mm -hmm. we all went through that collectively with COVID. I love that like COVID was this yeah. um, transition point for you because I loved COVID. I mean, I hated COVID in that I felt like the world was just becoming a place I didn't recognize, but I love COVID because it woke me up to my own power and my own desire in a way that might have remained inaccessible to me if the world hadn't gone absolutely bonkers. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess I'm just looking for the resolution of your relationship to stress and chaos because you initiated and undertook a life change where you now have to you um before you were having to hustle to like churn through clients and meet the expectations of an external entity the larger practice that you were working for and with 
And now you are embarking on a life of considerably higher degrees of chaos because you are your own businesswoman and you have to attract clients, retain clients, build meaningful relationships, build community, like the life you've chosen, just like the life Mary Lou has chosen and the life I've chosen by building our own businesses is way more stressful than working for somebody else. And so I'm just wondering how you've, uh, like if you have any wisdom pearls about being in a state of um, extended self-created stress and finding it to be productive and animating rather than leading to burnout like you had mm -hmm. when you were working for someone else. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I guess maybe I'll maybe even start with this. Like, I actually think I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, how I don't know if actually being a business owner and like being, you know, we'll say solopreneur here is like more or less stressful than like somebody who is an employee for somebody. Because I think in this day and age now, like nobody's safe, right? Like I can't tell you how many people even that have worked with me that they had a job and then they were literally let go overnight. And I don't know how, you know, that's stressful. Like to literally think you have security and then to have that like pulled out from underneath of you. So I think there's like, again, maybe different levels of, of stress and what that looks like maybe day to day. Yeah, maybe as a, yeah, solopreneur, I think I've become, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like we'll say I wear many hats. Yes. Like there's definitely many hats that I wear. There's many like things that I'm doing day to day to like keep this running. But I think um, at the end of the day, which I'm, I'm super eternally grateful for. And I think even like the deeper level reason of why I even started my own business in the first place is because I wanted freedom. I wanted time because I know that is something that you wait, we never get back. And I realized working for offices, working for other people, you're on their time. Like you're bowing, you're, you're manipulating your life for somebody else. And like, I just felt like I didn't want to live my life like that. And like, yes, I know even there's days where I struggle emotionally with my business and imposter syndrome and questioning everything that I'm doing. And am I doing the right things? Am I get going in the right direction? Am I actually making progress in all of this? Um, but I think something that I always have to like bring myself back to is that, well, I am doing, I am living a life that by design I've built, right? I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I had time for even my own exercise. Like I know when I was working in the city and, and commuting there, yeah, I was not, I was actually, I was probably the one period of my life where I was like not going to the gym. I was not working out. I was eating like it's, I was like, not just not taking care of myself. Um, and I wanted to make sure that if I were, if I really was going to do this business thing, like my way, like I was not going to sacrifice like things like that. Like, I want to make sure I actually have time for lunch. I'm going to make sure I actually have time to like go for a walk in the middle of the day if I needed to. Right. Like really like life design, I guess we'll say. Um, and so I think, you know, alongside that, yes, there's definitely been moments of, of, of stress and chaos. And, um, you know, I think that, again, is, is going to be a part of this. And I think I'm just learning the skill of how to handle it better. And like, if I do catch myself kind of getting out of sorts, it, like, I will say I, I definitely have lost sleep. I've definitely have had days where I 
started crying and was like, I don't know if I should, you know, definitely have had those questionable moments. Absolutely. But I think mentally, and even just doing a lot of work on myself, like I've worked with actually like a behavior coach for a while. I feel like I've done a lot of mindset work. I've, I've invested in myself to give myself the tools to like be able to, to do this because it is <laughs> hard and, and challenging, but also to be able to, to help others in the, in the same way. Um, but yeah, again, I guess going back to the skill of just being able to really, I guess, question myself, well, like, why am I feeling this way? Like, where is this really coming from at the end of the day? And I think most of the time I do bring myself back to the place of like, I, I, I know I'm probably doing better. I'm doing better than I think I am. I think, again, it's really easily to convince yourself that you're not doing enough. You're not working hard enough. You're not like doing all the things that you need to be doing. But then I even have to even say timeline, like, why am I trying to grow something so fast? Is that actually sustainable? Right. Because I have, I'm thinking about this now. This is the lot. This is, this is what I'm going to do for the next Oh, yeah, 20 plus years of life. So it's like, does it really have to grow that fast? And I think in business, again, competitive, right? Like people say in business, oh, look, you know, the most successful businesses are like able to do this at speed. They're able to make all these decisions fast. And like, I think as a, as a woman, I guess, in business, again, like that, I think that's a very like male, you know, male ego, like <laughs> dominated way of looking at things. And I think, you know, as a woman, it's like, actually realizing, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, why do I have to follow in somebody else's context of like, what is successful in business? I can, I can determine what is successful for me based off of like what I deem valuable and like what I want my life to look like. And so that's where even I, I even will say to people now that like, I don't work with everybody that I talk to. And that's hard sometimes to actually tell people. And I've, I've I will say I'm getting better at it. Like if I do feel like a person is not the right fit for me, to be like, you know, I don't think this is the right thing for both of us, right? And I, cause I, cause I, I wanna maintain my own level of like self care, you know what I mean? Because if, when I am working with people, it, it, I will say it's, it's, it can be really draining sometimes to like, you know, have multiple conversations a day with people that, you know, are coming from all different backgrounds and stuff like that. And I think to be the most authentic, energized person to be like, I, I do think I have to really set that boundary, even with other people sometimes. So, but I think, again, that's, that's how I'm going to keep this sustainable moving forward. So sometimes it is sending, setting really hard boundaries, like making sure I'm taking care of myself. Um, you know, again, if I am getting caught up in that, like stress and chaos, like really being able to, to allow myself the time to like, okay, regroup, where, where's this coming from, reframe it, feel the feels, move forward. Okay. Like <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if that answers everything, but <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in all that, like feeling the feels and just like having a higher tolerance for, um, for everything that comes up. Like, is yeah. it, is what's coming up a warning that I'm actually not no longer in integrity or is this just my am I putting pressure on myself again am I creating fears right yeah no absolutely yeah. um yeah no it's just I think at the end of the day what's really valuable to me even just as a human is you know I I just want to make sure I lead a life that is authentic to me is supporting and uplifting of my family and the people in my community um maybe it is like leaving a mark on 
society that's, you know, different from the norm. Um, I'm trying to think of like other things that are super, but yeah, like I, I want to be, yeah, again, I go back to like, yeah, I want to be a fit old lady. Yeah. Like that's definitely something that I, I, I want to become for sure. Right. And I know I'm 33 and it's funny. I work with a lot of like people that are, you know, 10, 20, 30 years older than me. Um, but it's always interesting. It's always cool to, to talk to somebody who, right. Has been on this earth longer than me and to kind of hear their, um, you know, their mentality about it. And I think it always comes back to like, um, you know, sometimes like, I wish I did this sooner. Mm. Like again, because time is precious and time is something we don't get back. So it's, um, I don't know, it, it always just kind of sits with me, like hearing older people talk of, um, you know, sometimes I wish I took care of myself more. Like I wish, I wish I was able to lead a more authentic life of like what I wanted to do. And so I think I'm really just trying to actually take that wisdom and like put it into practice in the present and like, you know, just, yeah, like, like, it's like, honestly, at the end of the day, the one maybe truth of the fact is that we're all going to die one day. We're all not going to be here one day. So it's just like, how do you really want to spend your time? How do you really want to spend your life? You know, even I have to like bring myself back to reality sometimes, like, is it like, okay, money, right? I know we're all stressed about sometimes about finances, but like, as long as I can put food, at the, food on the table, a house, a roof over my head, I can do the things that I want to do. Like, do I really need all the extra stuff? You know, I think that's easy to get caught up in society with like needing the bigger house, the nicer car, the nicer this, the nicer that. Um, but I think as long as my like needs are met, then like, I think I'm doing actually pretty well in life. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> hmm. Yay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, um, yeah, I really, I love to find out that we have this shared value about freedom, especially, and I hear so much in your story about maintaining your freedom through the life that you've chosen and also like empowering people to understand that their health is their sovereignty. When you, when you are mobile, then you are independent. And when you're independent, then you're sovereign. And so, yeah, it really, it's, it's so deep. So thank you. Thank you so much. That was such a great interview. Thanks for being with us, Shannon. Thanks for tuning in to the How I Healed podcast. We are so happy to have you. If you liked this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. Like it, subscribe to us on Substack, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We are so excited to receive your feedback. So do drop us a line at howihealedpodcast at gmail.com if you would like to send us a message. You can also reach us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you know, all the usual spots. So thanks again for tuning in and for supporting our project.